This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by GoGo's Bootcamp. Are you a real estate agent looking for the best social media training program on the planet? GoGo Bethke is considered the top Instagram realtor in the country, and her step-by-step training program will take your social media game to the next level. She's so confident there's a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. Keeping It Real listeners receive a special discount, so please visit gogopodcast.com. That's G-O-G-O podcast.com for your special discount. And now on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through the show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with Christine Nieva. Before we get to Christine, a couple of quick announcements. First, we just rebuilt our website from the ground up. You can visit us at keepingitrealpod.com. Not only has it the website undergone a massive facelift, but in addition, we now have organized all of our different categories of episodes into sections, so you can actually go to the website, and if you have a particular show that you like to listen to, for example, Learning with a Lender, or Monday Market Minute, or Coaching Moments, and you just want to hear those, you scroll to the bottom, you can find the show you want, and listen to all the episodes in order, which we think is hopefully pretty helpful to you. So, most of you are probably listening on a podcast app, probably don't even know we have a website, so check it out. Let us know what you think. Again, keepingitrealpod.com. And then our second uh, thing to ask everyone to do is to please tell a friend. Think of one other agent that could benefit from hearing these kind of podcast episodes, interviews with top producers to help you learn from their successes and grow your business in the way that they have. So send them a link over to that new website, keepingitrealpod.com, and let them learn the way you're learning. Thanks, guys, so much for your continued support. And now on to our interview with Chris. Christine Nieva. Okay, today on the show, we have Christine Nieva from Diausen Realty in Washington, D.C. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about Christine. She is 29 years old, resides in the, the Washington, D.C. area. She's been a licensed realtor for just four years, but even more incredibly, has only been really being a, a full-time realtor for the past two years. Now, her previous career uh, was an operating room nurse. And after a major life-changing motor vehicle accident at the end of 2017, it was at that moment after recovery where she decided to leave the hospital and pursue a full-time career in real estate. Now, since then, and this is some incredible uh uh, accolades. She's been recognized by National Association of Realtors Rising Star uh, in real estate, What also um, the 30 Under 30 Award that was just given a few months ago, which is basically the top 30 agents in their 20s uh, in real estate, which is amazing. She's also a council member for Forbes Real Estate. She was featured recently in Top Agent Magazine and also Washingtonian Magazine. Uh, what drives Christine to constantly grow is remembering her roots, coming to the U.S. with her family with only $200 in their pocket back in 2001, making something worthwhile for themselves and financially supporting her family back 
home, which is the Philippines, uh, please visit Christine at ChristineNieva.com. That's Christine, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. N-I-E-V-A.com. Also, please follow her on Instagram, which is at Christine.Nieva. Christine, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you. Thanks, CJ. I'm excited to have you too. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're 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 really excited. I cannot believe um how much success you've had so quickly. And uh, but I'd like to start all the way back at the beginning. So so you came to the United States from the Philippines uh in back in 2001. And then you pursued a career in nursing. I did, yeah. So when I, when I, growing up, I'm of a Filipino background. What you're taught to do is to follow your parents' lead. Either going to be a doctor, an engineer, or in this case, my mom's a nurse. So I've known to wanting to be a nurse since I was five years old. So. Fast forward, I I went to school for four years, got my BSN, and then about a year and a half practicing in the operating room, I thought, I think I, there's something out there else for me. And I just started dibbling in different things, which was really entrepreneurship. So I had a fitness company with meal prep and like personal training. And then I even did like network marketing and all of that. It, it was a little bit of a taste of what entrepreneurship is like. So I kept coming back to listening to a ton of podcasts and I found that I wanted to be an investor. Time and time again, I could continue my job as a nurse, put some money aside, make money work for me through real estate investing. So I thought, all right, I'm gonna save some money, get my real estate license. And then I need to buy my, I bought my first house. I helped my mom buy her first house. And I had two friends from the fitness industry that wanted me to help them buy their first house. And that was my first year being licensed. It was really stressful. And I closed four houses, I guess two. And then the next year I thought, oh man, this is addicting. So I took a leap of faith. I went part-time, not approved by family. And I only worked for 20 hours a week or 24, but with the commute it was essentially 30 hours. So yeah. my, sec my second year, I closed 14 houses. I was still juggling real estate and actually nursing at the same time. Wow. And it wasn't until it wasn't actually until the end of 2017. I was actually with my lender in the car. We finished the office meeting. I picked up my client to, from the metro to bring in the settlement. And it's just some reckless driver totally crashed my SUV. And mm. I have like these plates and hardware still in my body that mm. actually reminds me of that event still. But that was actually a blessing in disguise, DJ. That was when I thought after fully recovering, I thought, man, I've got one life. I got to choose what yeah. makes me happy. So again, I actually decided to go full-time in real estate because of that. And that was a hard decision to make because all I knew growing up was you're paid, you, you have your degree, you go for a job, you get paid hourly, but that was it. I didn't know anything about investing. So I invested a ton of, of time and hours on education from books, business, and I, I'm pretty much self-taught. So my first year full-time, no more nursing. I was a full-time realtor. I closed uh, 29 or 30 houses, I believe. And it was uh, under 10 million. So right at 10 million, my first year. And I remember <laughs> in the office I was in, there was a, an agent that produced 10 million by himself. That's why he switched to a, this new brokerage. And I thought, all right, I'll, I'll shoot for 10 million. I didn't know any better. I mean, ignorance is bliss. And then I hit that. And then the then last year, 2019, was my second year full-time that I just finished. And I sold under 15 million. I sold uh, about 35 or 36 houses. Yeah. And from there, and I was also able to travel to like five countries last year. And the year before I traveled to like nine or 
something 15 places. And I could not have done that while at the same time be able to enjoy my life in fitness, get in the best of my life, and then also give back to my family in the Philippines, which I was not able to do as much when I was my previous W-2. And all of these things just happened because I was so aware with what my heart wanted. And I think when I started in that mindset, I just constantly just listened to have peace within myself and just listen and ask, you know, what is it, what's going to make me happier next? What's going to make it better for clients and, and make this life so fulfilling? And I think that with that root of coming from the Philippines and being taught ambition and seeing that with your parents, it really just was, it was my DNA. So today it's, I, this past quarter, these accolades you mentioned, they're recent. March was NAR, uh, 30 under 30. The Forbes was actually a month ago. Top agent was two days ago or three days ago. So it's, this just started coming in. I was always just this like, you know, kind of girl next door, knock on my door and, and let me know if you need a realtor and I'm here and let's have fun. That was it. Wow. Well, you just said a lot. I want to I want to back up to your first full-time year because obviously there's a lot of people listening who are probably part-time broker part-time realtors and are thinking I would love to make that transition, but you know, you had a great career as a nurse. That is an amazing career. There's job security. Obviously, there's a lot of risk and, and, and a lot of fatigue in that industry, especially right now, of course. But it's still a wonderful career and it is a lifelong career. So you basically, you didn't walk away from a job. You walked away from a career that you had done special schooling for, special accreditation. And, and I, I think that's an amazing leap of faith to take um, but can you talk about, you know, what, what was it like once you decided, obviously you'd been doing it part-time for a few years before. Um, so you had a general sense of, of maybe what to do. Um, but you know, you closed and to do 10 million in your first full-time year is one of the biggest success stories I've ever heard. And we have people on the show that do a hundred million a year and they didn't even do 10 million their first year. So that is an incredible uh, number that I, I, if you have any, I, uh, thoughts about how did you find clients back when you first started? Obviously, people mostly knew you as a nurse, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. So how did you make that transition? How'd you find clients back then? That's such a good question. I had to really break this image of me as a nurse because I loved sharing my journey. I was in nursing school and, you know, practicing in the OR and trauma surgery and all the cool, gory stuff you get to learn. But that was the blessing and also a curse too. So I had to change this Christine Eva nurse to now she's in real estate. So that first year full time, I want to backtrack a little bit. Like yeah. what was my mindset when I was part-time in real estate and still full-time in my career, my, my actual W-2? The first thing I needed to figure out was like, all right, am I going to figure this out all my, by myself or am I going to associate with the team and leverage that? I didn't yeah. have time to actually have a mentor. DJ, I tried. I tried to touch book appointments or you know meetings with uh, brokers or top producers, and they were very busy. And I thought, you know what? I've done everything on my, by myself. I'll just find it my way. So a lot of the the previous brokers I was in, they were big on realtor to realtor networking. And mm. I read this book called The One Thing. Yeah, and that's that, uh, Gary Keller. Yeah. So that was a, a life-changing book for me because I thought if I could do one thing that could really move the ball for me, it was being in front of prospects and clients, my network. And so this is what I did. I figured out that the microphone, all I needed was this, this phone. Yeah. And this was literally my podium and my microphone to speak and syndicate that and go viral 
just in my network, not like in crazy websites, just right. through social media. I didn't have time to meet with clients through coffee. I didn't have time to meet them through lunch. And also I didn't have that money anyway. So sure. I literally just started showing uh, properties that weren't necessarily mine, sitting at open houses and just, just be so immersed that I'm the realtor. I'm the only rich you got to think of. I really wanted to capture that share of mine. So when I was able to really start developing that image, most people actually think of two people in their mind when they think of moving and of realtors. It's or brokers. It's just a family member and someone they see constantly on Facebook. So I knew on the Facebook demographic, I could probably capture maybe the older folks there. But Instagram, with my age in the in my twenties, people are increasing with their career. They're they're starting to settle down. I knew that that was going to be a good market for me to go and tap into, which is through Instagram. They are all free. And that's how I came into that. I need to be profitable. I need to be with a brokerage that gave me a high split because I knew that if I was going to be profitable and be able to leave nursing, I had to be able to keep more in my pocket. And it wasn't to be able to give it to a brokerage. It took, you know, maybe 30% because then I would have to close 20 versus just 10. So right. that was my mindset. How much could I keep in my pocket so I could leave quicker? Well, also too, I mean, at the end of the day, you, and, and I'm sure you work at an amazing brokerage and I'm in no way suggesting that there's anything wrong with your brokerage. I'm sure they're amazing. Um, but at the end of the day, you just need you, right? You're doing the bulk of the work. And I think a lot of times uh, realtors often think, well, what's my brokerage doing for me? And yes, your brokerage should be doing wonderful things for you. And they should have great training and mentorship and, and opportunities to do open houses. Um, but at the end of the day, you're still doing 99% of the job. Uh, and, and, and you're a perfect example. You did, by the way, in your first full-time year, you did not have an assistant. You did everything yourself. Um, I think now you've, you've now got to the point where you've got on some, some help, um, but you're still doing almost everything. And, and I, I'd say that's amazing. I want to go back real quickly just to social media because it's the, one of the most requested topics that our listeners ask is, okay, well, what do I post? Right. And, and obviously there's an art and a science to it, but for a lot of realtors, all they post is just listed, just sold. Um, and there doesn't seem to be a lot of other content. So I heard you say, Hey, I would go do open houses and, and I'm guessing I'm, and this might be wrong, but were you doing also videos, uh, showings of the house on, on, you know, IGTV or on Facebook live, or were you predominantly just doing static posts or what kind of or image posts rather, what were you doing there? So when I started out, I don't think Instagram store, I mean, Instagram live existed then. And I wasn't too big on Facebook live. So at the time I le really leveraged just static posts and yeah. Facebook stories and Instagram stories. And I just thought my friends are pretty nosy with what I do. And I think in general, people would like to, yeah. you know, pry on what people do. And I just got into that mindset. I just post about my life. So I was into cooking. I relate to a lot of women that wanted to cook also men, of course, and then fitness people wanted to, you know, figure out, you know, what is the healthy way to go about your weight training, whatever it was. It was largely me, Christine Eva, as this lifestyle. And then here and there, I would like plug in showings. And then little by little, they started to see, oh, she's actually a realtor. Well, wait, but I'm actually tuning in for her life, her meal preps. I'm tuning yeah. in for her family pictures and because she just loves her mom. They're literally like BFFs and they take shots together. But they're genuinely like seeing what they want to see my life. It yeah. just happens to be real estate as a part of it. And then eventually, the minute they become ready, that's when they reach out. They're never actually looking for real estate. They want, they're curious about your life. Right. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's it's one of the big, I, I don't want to call it a mistake, but one of the limiting beliefs that a lot of realtors have is to shield their personal life on uh, on social media. And look, there are some people that everyone's got the, a different version of, of what privacy means to them and, and what vulnerability means. And it doesn't mean you necessarily have to share every area of your life. But if you expect people to want to tune into your content, you, you better show something. Um, and, and it, you know, it doesn't have to be something that's intimate or, or, or inappropriate or, or violating a boundary, but just, you know, this idea of, Hey, this is my life. This is what I do. Here's what I do during the day. Uh, is it's funny because it doesn't sound like that would be that interesting yet. It is what we all tune in for on social media. We want to see what's going on in people's lives. So if you can find things that you're comfortable sharing, like obviously Christine did, um, this, it, 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 number one, it makes people feel closer to you because they feel like they know you. And they also don't feel like you're advertising to them, which people typically don't respond as well to, but they want to get to know you. And then, oh, by the way, you know, I also do this real estate thing and you're able to pepper those posts in. And then eventually through repetition and just immersion and getting people hooked on your content, I'm guessing that's, that's kind of how it worked. Exactly. And I actually don't have any paid marketing right now with my business model. So I'm telling you, DJ, everything I do is as organic as possible. I was so cheap starting out when I wanted to take my business to a different level. And I still actually find it really even better right now where you're trying to cut down on expenses. But my business model was never expensive. So because of these traits in the beginning, because of wanting to just connect with my network and being so human and fun with them and friends, really, that was really what made me more successful is because I had this network of friends that are or associates or acquaintances, acquaintances because of social media. Yeah, and we I think it's it's easy to remember that or easy to forget rather that on average 16% of everybody that all of us know are going to transact in real estate within the next 12 months. Um, and in many cases, those people might be doing two transactions, maybe selling and then buying, mm -hmm. right? So we have this, we, we already have a giant list. Even if you know 50 people, you know, 16% of those are going to need assistance in the next 12 months. So the question always is, how do you capture more of that 16%? And the way to do it is through communication. One of the ways to communicate, um, obviously, is through social media. Another way is calling or writing personal notes or texting. And there's a million ways to communicate. But realizing that if you want to grow organically, and if you want at least your sphere of influence to think about you, you better be in front of them in some capacity as often as possible, right? And then you're just kind of playing the waiting game. Eventually, they're going to need me. Hopefully, they'll think about me. And, and it's worked out really well for you, it sounds. Absolutely. And you have to think of social media as a CRM. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So some, so what I do is I don't have a fancy CRM. I actually use line desk. It's like 25 bucks a month, $250 annual. It's as cheap as it gets. All I needed was something to see what my pipeline was, was under contract, but I actually haven't, I, I need to tap into making that thing work for me. But aside from that, I use it to keep track of where everybody is. And then Eventually, I used that to go into Facebook and catch up with people who I actually had conversations with. And because Facebook, uh, people actually like, scroll through so, there's so much content, yeah. you need to be, you, your posts need to have pictures. It needs to have a video. You can't just write, write paragraphs and expect nothing. And you need to actually wait on the posts to let it collect comments and likes. And then eventually, 
maybe give it two days, then reply because then it pops up in people's feeds again. Very smart. Yeah. And aside from that, use those posts to engage even more organically with people. People like to post about their engagement, their successes, their kids graduating, empty nesters. And then, you know, people getting engaged, they're going to be finding their own home and purchasing, or they just had a kid, they're going to be a move up buyer and also they're going to sell. So when they have these achievements, they share, don't just like, nobody looks at your likes, they look at the comments. And when you start engaging that way, the algorithm of Facebook and same thing with Instagram, you start to show up in their feed because people have a thousand friends and how are you going to pop up? It's because of that constant algorithm interaction with their posts. Yeah. Facebook wants engagement, right? They want people, uh, you know, interacting with posts. They want you interacting with the people who have interacted with your posts. And, you know, we also have to remember that and, and LinkedIn is a good example of this. And I always forget to mention this. And for everyone listening, you might not know this, and it's a great thing to know is in LinkedIn, and you should be connected to everyone in your sphere that way, and also your clients and anyone you're interested in, in prospecting. Um, because LinkedIn has an activity feed, but they do something very special in there. Not only do they mention people's birthdays, which we know Facebook, of course, does too, but LinkedIn also says when someone starts a new job. Mm-hmm. So I've always thought, I bet a lot of people don't know that because all you have to do is look, I have about 5,000 LinkedIn friends, whatever that means. And about every day, about three people start a new job. Now I'm not a producing realtor, but if I was the first three calls I would make every day, and I would actually, I would post um, a comment on LinkedIn to you know, say, Hey, congrats. I saw you got a new career. I would also either shoot them a text. I would probably call just, and hopefully I'd really, I'd really just want to get their voicemail because I'd want to say, Hey, just FYI, I just saw you got a new job. Just wanted to congratulate you. That's amazing. Good luck at XYZ company. Nobody else is probably calling that person either. Mm -hmm. So this, this is a great little pro tip is go to LinkedIn, look at your activity or, or notifications. I think it's under the notifications area. And you can see when people switch jobs, when they change careers, anniversary dates at their job, mm-hmm. another cool thing to call. Hey, I saw you've now been five years over at XYZ company. That's incredible. Keep up the great work. You know, even if you're just doing that, um, that sort of engagement is huge for your sphere of influence. And also, most of people in their life probably don't even know they just celebrated five years. Maybe their best mm-hmm. friends don't know that. Mm-hmm. And here you are as, you know, maybe you're not even that directly connected to them, uh, but you call them and congratulate them. They're going to remember that. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more with it. Making them feel super special on something that they achieve and they didn't even realize it's something big. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and again, you don't have to call either because you can just, you know, if you see somebody takes a nice vacation and posts it on Instagram, um, make sure you're following your, your, the people you want to develop relationships with and you're commenting and letting them know, oh, I like, for example, I'm, I'm heading to Savannah uh, tomorrow on a vacation. Um, We'll see if I survive it. We'll see. We'll see how smart that was. But um, if I was a realtor, and I, I, you know, I technically am a realtor. Um, but if I was not a realtor, and there was another realtor out there, I would be commenting uh, on my future Instagram post saying, "Hey, I see you're in Savannah. That looks awesome. Hope you're having fun." That in and of itself would make me think, "Hey, that was nice of that person to pay attention mm-hmm. and notice." Um, so great suggestion. Um, also, Christine, since you are so, uh, I don't want to say you're new to the industry because that's not exactly true, but you're you're newer to the industry and having tremendous success. You have probably seen, even in your short time as 
as a full-time realtor, you've probably seen agents, you know, succeed who are newer and also maybe ones who struggle or maybe even leave the business um, in that time. So I'm curious, aside from, you know, being really present on social media, sharing your life, commenting on other people's posts, interacting with the people that comment on yours, but Aside from that, are there any other suggestions, advice you have for agents looking to, you know, to get to that next level? Yeah, um, I think the the networking component, of course, online is really important. And because the whole virtual side of things is even more the method to communicate nowadays, I think that if you genuinely just reach out to them and just see how they're doing, that just naturally, they already know what you're doing. And they usually will just visit you through your, your online profiles or anything that might you're using, Facebook or Instagram. And you're never really selling on who you are. You're just generally saying, hey, it's been so long, I haven't you know talked to you, but just making sure through the pandemic, how are you and the family? I just thought I'd touch base with all my friends and you know it's really a tough time. This is really a time to actually connect with people. And because you're coming at like this sincere, um, way where you're just like, yeah, you just want to connect with old friends. They don't see that as salesy. So eventually they end up visiting what you're doing. And I think aside from the calls or the text messages, ultimately when you communicate with them and just touch base genuinely, really yeah. sympathetic and making sure they're safe, they eventually will start to see, oh yeah, I forgot about Christine. Like what's she up to nowadays? And you don't need to say you're in real estate. They'll see. Yeah, I think that's true. My my very first, well, not my first career, but I had a career as a financial advisor and the, one of the top sales guys, uh, and I shouldn't even say sales guys, one of the top advisors in our office who'd been doing it 25 years at that point said, if you have to ask people for a sale, whatever it is you're, you're selling or whatever service you're offering, his opinion was you're doing it wrong. Um, you know, if, if you if you exceed people's expectations and you're good at your job and you stay in touch, typically things will sort of fall your way. And, um, and I, I found that to be, uh, to be true as well. And um, certainly it seems to be true for you. Um, so that, that's awesome. I would love to talk about, you know, you got in in a very interesting time where you're now, you know, in your second full year, or full-time year uh, as a realtor, you're having tremendous success. And then of course, you know, the pandemic hits everything or things move or, or change. Um, but I know you're as busy as ever. Can you talk a little bit about what shifted for you and, and how you shifted to uh, adjust for that? Sure. That's a great topic that I think a lot of realtors have been trying to figure out. Um, so just to mention, I'm actually starting now my third year as of March. So in this year, when the when COVID came in, of course, there was a ton of uncertainty. There was so much gray area, what we could and couldn't do, were we essential, are we not? And when I was in, when in those two week period in our area, I had to really make sure I was in touch with the real estate boards with all three states. And in order, once I found that out that we were able to do it, then I was able to market myself with my network who was actually currently in my pipeline, what to do next. When you are so obsessed with the details of what you can and cannot do in today, and you are practicing the way it's safe, it's the right protocol, it satisfies the seller's or the buyer's concern in terms of what the CDC guidelines are, and you're constantly educating, 
and you know how to handle it's it's you know in our industry it's called handling objections but for me it's solving their concern and i see it as like like a patient who's super scared for their surgery and in this case they the clients or my network are afraid to do something in real estate today so when they start those conversations with me first you've already established yourself as a figure to as a resource because you know all the things that's occurring today in this market when you know the facts today in this current situation and what you're able to do, they're going to pick your brain. So be prepared to answer those questions. They're going to usually say rates have been so low. Is that going to be something that's beneficial? Absolutely. If you're a buyer, this is now the time to go. But then if you're a seller, I don't know if I want to list my house on the market. Well, actually, right now, sales have been less, but even listings have been significantly less. Did you know that if you put your house on the market now, we're going to implement safe protocols. You're, all the agents and the decision makers are the only ones allowed through the door. They wear a mask. They wear gloves. The only thing being touched in your house is just the front door by that agent. No kids, no other immediate family. When they come in, they all the lights are already on. They don't have to touch any lights. And you have to teach them too that this is, don't you think it's safe? Safer than a grocery store. You go to a grocery store, people don't wear gloves, but here you're requiring, you know, prospective clients to go through the seller's house with gloves. And when people touch products at the grocery store, they put them back and potentially could be, you know, I mean, generally grocery stores are safe. So when you're constantly finding methods to satisfy their concerns, it, actually, they become way more comfortable and they, they are going to be able to say, all right, I'm actually ready. Let's do it this year. I want to take advantage of the rate or I want to take advantage of getting the highest net for my house because there's such a demand for it. The prices are going to push up for it and, and have more favorable, favorable terms as a seller. And because of that, when I started that message, I had put in um, right now, I'm about two thirds closed in escrow. I'm already 10 million. It's only May. I'm already two thirds of the way. I'm closing close north by myself as a solo agent between 25, possibly 30 million with uh, a transaction coordinator and a showing assistant. But that's it. I'm still a solo agent for the most part. But because of this marketing, the ship, my message is no longer open houses, just listed. We just sold it. The message is we just closed a contract here. It was a very uh, scary time, but my client actually got a $75,000 equity just from the appraisal and the closing costs covered because the seller decided that they were so motivated in the first two weeks when quarantine happened. And then same thing for the seller side, we were able to get the highest square foot price per square footage in our property because Christine actually guided me and told me that there is such a, such a demand of buyers. And when, when that occurred, I have, um, I actually put it under contract like 4 million the past five weeks. That's incredible. Yeah. It's, we have to remember that, you know, people still need to move and now with rates being as low as they are and inventory probably being lower than normal in most areas of the country, this is a wonderful time if you are courageous enough and, and have the time and the energy and, and the emotional, you know, wherewithal to, to go through the process. Like now is a really good time uh, because it sort of benefits all, all sides. Um, and, and of course, we hope uh, uh, that that continues and hopefully things will go back to normal here shortly as well. But it doesn't seem like it slowed you down at all. Um, so So now that you're you're doing a lot of closings. You've done already ten million this year, which is beyond incredible. Um, 
what are you doing on a day-to-day basis sort of to stay busy outside of working with the clients you have? You know, how has your day shifted or has it not really shifted? It's shifted a lot. And I think because of the time I took away from making the drive to the office, chatting up with the agents, it saved a ton of time. I think that's why I'm probably busier because right when I wake up, it's, it's straight into first, you know, kind of enjoying and taking time for yourself and having peace and planning your day. And then once I'm on the computer, once I have my phone in front of me, I mean, I pretty much attack. Um, the way I see it is like, oh my gosh, I have to protect my business or else I, I told everybody that I'm, I'm not coming back to nursing and my plan is to stick that, stay that way. I don't want to be that agent that wasn't able to shift during a shifting market. So in my day-to-day process, it's essentially the same, but I try to group um, my showings closer to or appointments towards the afternoon now, because that way I can really focus on a lot of lead generation and follow up in the morning, which I think is pretty much the same for, for a really successful top producer. Um, but I think that, uh, more so being careful and essentially also making enough time for showings and appointments, um, making sure you don't have a client be in the same room as the other one, as the other uh, family that's inside the property. Um, but aside from that, it's, and also I actually moved to this new house and I now have a gym downstairs. So that saved time from the, the drive and the commute and the chit chat with, you know, friends at the gym. So a lot of these changes really, happen because of, of the shift and in many good ways. And I think that I had such a, always had a positive thought on things and fear really drives me a lot. Fear of loss, fear of like failing. And I think that's why things turn out the way that they are right now, the past few yeah. weeks. Yeah. And fear gets a bad rap. I mean, we, we certainly, none of us would ideally like to be motivated by fear. We'd love it if it was uh, the carrot versus the stick, but to be honest, I am a lot more motivated when fear is involved. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think, you know, and I don't mean you, you should, you know, live in, in, in a constant state of, of arousal or a constant state of, uh, of fight or flight. Obviously, that's not going to be helpful. But this idea that you just said this and you said it very quickly, but I want to I want to just bring back to it. you said I need to protect my business, which is a, which is really a fear based uh, comment, not a negative comment. It's a very it's actually a very, a very uh, intelligent and, and um, uh, sophisticated way to look at your businesses. It is something to protect, which means you have to work at it every now I'm not saying you you already know this, but for our listeners, you know, you need to work at it every single day and protect it because as it continues to grow. Um, you're you have you're gonna have more and more responsibility, and you have to really think about how am I going to utilize my time because it is your business, whether it's part time or full time. This is your career or, or a career that you are embarking on, and I, you do have to protect it. You have to protect your time. You have to protect your energy. Um, and you have now found, um, you know, through through you know what we were all going through is that you found some efficiencies. You found ways to actually you know, give yourself more time by obviously you're now, you're probably not able to go into the office uh, as much, but you're able to do everything from home. Your gym's now downstairs. So there's, there's a lot to sort of find. Um, and, and those are all ways to protect it. And, and, you know, what a, I'm so glad you said that. I think that's a really uh, interesting take on, on uh, your, on, on a practice. I love that you shared that too, DJ, protecting your time or protecting your business, because all too often, one of the things I've heard a while back, a couple of years ago, they said that 
you're either in real estate with a business or a hobby. And, you know, I'm, there are times where I feel like it is a hobby because I love it a lot. But, it, but at the end of the day, you, in order to have closing 60, 90, 180 days out, what it all has an effect with what you do today. So when I came into this, the, the shift, when the COVID, the quarantine came in, I knew that there was going to be a, probably a, you know, a halt in business, maybe. Yeah. And it depended on my mindset. It was either I was going to take on all the news as, as negative thoughts and yeah. be fearful as well, or yeah. am I going to shift that and be a support system for my network that actually does still need to move? So because of that mindset, I knew that was how I could protect my time was to change my mindset first and be positive. It's, this is temporary. We just have to make sure we, we shift in a way that's safe and it's, positive for your client it's so beneficial for them and they're actually happy to still move on because you're right people seem to move yeah and i would like to ask you too about learning your market and how much time you put into that or how often especially when you were first starting out how critical was it for you to really understand you know inventory uh, average price points, neighborhoods. Um, I know, you know, DC area can, can be quite large, including the suburbs. Um, you know, how important was it for you to kind of localize and say, okay, um, you know, I, I, you're licensed in three states, right? And, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, there's a lot to learn here. Um, how did you build that into your day to start learning inventory and, and just facts and figures to be able to then help clients? That's a really good question. So I could probably answer it. Uh, the first way is I use the MLS a lot. I saw that as a golden you know, database for information. So prior to me meeting with a client, whether it was in person two, three years ago, I would already have researched that specific neighbor they wanted because there's so much information out there from Google schools. And in our area, we have something called get smart charts. And these smart charts would already pull up the statistics for that specific zip code they were looking in. So I just memorized it. And there was that. And then the other component to it was like, hey, our, you know, the school is so important for us. And although you should refer them to their own, you know, what is it, school, uh, schools.org, you can still give some insight to that. Hey, here are the ratings. It's your own pers uh, personal perspective of what you think is a good school, but this is everything for you. And it was, it was such a customized plan. Think of it as like a meal plan. you got someone who's diabetic, someone who's athletic, someone who has a sedentary lifestyle. You're not going to give a sedentary lifestyle person, you know, 5,000 calories the way Michael Phelps has. It has right. to be so custom to that. So going back to studying that market and making sure you're so hyper local you also have to assess who your who are your clients and who's your network um who are the ones that will actually relate to you the most and in the beginning a lot of it for me were millennials because they saw me as someone that was equal to them and eventually of course as i gained so much knowledge when i was referred to someone older who i might not relate to as much and all they see is my young face i look like i'm 18 once they speak with me they know how much knowledge i have because of the questions they ask and it's specific to them. And then they're just blown away. They're just like, all right, let's meet. And I think that when you know your resources, your facts, your MLS, the statistics, the inventory, what is the uh, absorption rate? What is the turnover rate on certain neighborhoods that you want to market? When you are, when you're very familiar for that, for a specific client, you're, you're just going to be able to earn that trust right away. That's how you're hired is because of your source of knowledge. Yeah. And right now I think we, well, most of us have a little bit more time than we may have when things are back to normal. 
Um, and now's a great time to really up that knowledge. And, and if you, even if you just spent 30 minutes a day studying your MLS, learning the price points, seeing what the inventory looks like, uh, and, and expanding your knowledge, even if it's okay, well, I know this neighborhood really well, well, maybe add the adjacent neighborhood now, now you have some time. And within, you know, a month or two, you're going to know more than the vast majority of other realtors also looking to service that area, obviously over, you know, extrapolate that out for, for several years doing 30 minutes a day, and you're going to be like the biggest expert ever. Um, and so Christine is absolutely right is, is take the time to really learn the market because at the end of the day, really nothing's more important than that is being able to provide value. And the only way you can provide value is, is understanding, you know, the, the, the area and, and what's mm -hmm. available. Um, so, so, so great there. Thank you for, for that. Um, I would love to, to totally sh shift gears because you, you wrote, a, we, we always ask all of our guests just to peek behind the curtain to share a couple of experience they have. And like 90% of the time, it, our guests are so nice. They like write out these long experiences and then I never get to them. And so you wrote out a really interesting one. I, I, could you hear, could you tell us the squatter story? Do you mind? Yeah, sure. So this happened two months ago, actually two weeks before the quarantine hit. And I had a client that I showed a pro this really small single family to, and, you know, I'm just going about opening up the lockbox, and I, I got the key. It, it just could not open. And usually, you know, you give it a couple minutes. Sometimes you pull it out or maybe put it in a little bit more, but I mean, I, I guess at this point you become an expert door opener, sometimes a locksmith and I could not open it. I called the agent and I said, Hey, walk me through this. He walked me through it. Nothing happened. And then he says, I think I know what's going on. I said, Hey, look, we're on a time schedule. I'm going to go to the next property, figure it out. We'll reschedule. And then he calls me later in the evening and he says, Hey, it sounds to be exactly what I thought. There are squatters that have uh, raided that house. They changed the locks. They, they had, they knew the code to the lockbox, and they went in. They've already made themselves at home. Literally, they have furniture, food, groceries. And so wait, wait. They they took the key from the lockbox. They used it to enter the property. Then they changed the locks so those keys wouldn't work any any longer. Yeah, exactly. And then moved in, essentially. I love it. Pretty much moved in like they were the brand new owners. And this <laughs> is the part that really got me. And I thought, man, this, this guy is crazy. He said, you know, this is like the 30th house that's happened the past few years. I thought, how? Oh, I thought that this would sound like it's brand new. He's like, no, happens all the time. And I thought, wow. oh, man, if, if I'm a seller, I don't think I could hire him for that track record of getting getting a lot of prospective tenants entering and breaking and entering maybe because they noticed it's his yard sign. They thought, Oh, that's the house he's listed. I know how to get in. It's the same code. Uh, <laughs> you, you know what? I'll bet you that's exactly how it, how it happened. That makes all, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, so let's another pro tip for everyone listening, change your lockbox codes. <laughs> when you get a new property, don't, I'll bet you, I would bet, I wonder what the percentages of realtors that keep the same lockbox code for years and years and years, because <laughs> they bought the, you know, a $20 lockbox on Amazon yeah. and just set yeah. it up once and never again. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> well, that is a, that's an amazing story. Um, so yes, let's, let's all change our lockbox codes today. Um, Probably a good idea to change all of our online passwords once in a while too. Yeah, while exactly. we're at it, because yeah. uh, you know it's funny. I get hacked. Uh, speaking of a similar, I get hacked with my credit card 
I would say every two years, uh, you know, somebody somehow gets my credit card number because I keep the same password for every single account I have. They somehow get in and then they spend like $10,000 in 30 minutes on things. And thankfully, you know, it all gets resolved. I don't have to pay it. But that's because I'm stupid enough to use the same password every time. So don't don't be like DJ. Uh, change your lockbox codes and your online passwords. Um, but no, that that's a really uh, that's a fun, that's a funny story. But I'm glad I'm glad it eventually got resolved. It sounds like so. Um, Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, look, um, I also wanted to talk about, you know, this idea as as we're wrapping up here about, you know, any final tips you have for agents that are struggling right now? Look, you know, we have to remember, of course, uh, our listeners, uh, to the listeners rather, is that, you know, your clients aren't the only ones that, 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 you know, need support and help and, and, and you, you, you know, need support and help too. And I know, Christine, you have been kind of a lone wolf. I obviously, I'm sure you have lots of great brokers at your firm that you can bounce ideas off of. Um, but are you also staying connected to other realtors right now, either through maybe you have an accountability partner or you just have people that you bounce, you know, thoughts and ideas with? How are you staying motivated? I'm thankful that you actually brought that up, DJ. So last, I've I've actually hired a coach for myself, an accountability coach last April of 2019. And my contract actually was time to renew just last April. And that was right at the time when the, you know, the quarantine came in, I thought, all right, I got to save money. I can't spend money on this. And I just thought, I don't know if the coach is really, the coach from the whole year really helped me. But then I actually renewed because I figured that this was the time for me to be more accountable, to mastermind with other realtors. What are they doing in their market? And those masterminds, the networking, aside from the one-on-one coaching, those were actually where I got the ideas. What were they doing differently that I could do in my market? One, that they're they're not competing realtors in my market. So when I came in that, whatever they were doing, I, I copied a little bit about of it and then did it my own way. That helped a lot. I think that networking with realtors, I think is even more imperative now. You need to actually maybe buddy up through an accountability partner. Even if it was like a five minute morning call huddle, say, hey, um, I'm going to be able to have 20 conversations today with my network, or I'm going to follow up with 20 people in my database and boom, that's it. Five minutes. And then check at the end of the day and say, Hey, how'd you do? What's the tally mark? But, but that's it. But now the way that our minds are work, we do more for others than we do for ourselves sometimes. 100%. And I think when you tell someone either out loud, or even if it was your family, well, family's too forgiving. So go with like friends or people in the business. If you tell them what you're about to do, you're more likely to set out to do it. So definitely masterminding, accountability partner. And if you do have a coach, um, keep them. They'll help a lot. Yeah, boy. Yeah, you just said a lot of great things there. And that's the thing for anyone listening who thinks I can't afford a coach. Um, yeah, maybe not today, you know, and that's okay. But what you can what you can do is you can start reaching out to other realtors in your market and saying, hey, are you struggling with staying uh, on top of various tasks? I mean, when you work for yourself, you can't be perfect. You can't do everything on your own. Getting help, whether it's a coach or accountability partner or reaching out to your the managing broker at your office and saying, I need some help uh, with my day-to-day activity or, or whatever. Setting up that structure, I, I will tell you, I, this is embarrassing, but it reminds <laughs> me because I, I have um, I have hired a coach from the Philippines. So uh, so shout out to uh, to your uh, to your homeland there. Um, for this is, I, I wish I wish I was saying this in a different way because it's going to make me sound like I'm the world's most irresponsible person. But the truth is, for the last three years, 
a woman from the Philippines, a lovely woman named Alva, who I absolutely adore. Um, she calls me every morning at 7.30 a.m. Now, this is not real estate related, uh, but she asks me about 15 questions every day. Uh, they're all things I should be doing on a daily basis. So essentially, we're talking about accountability. She asks me, um, and I, I, I pay her a fee to do this once a week. Our phone calls last 90 seconds. That's about it. Um, and she's never missed a day. She's like the most important person <laughs> just about in my life right now, because one of those questions is, did you clean the litter box for the cat? Now I have had a cat. I have had cats pretty much my entire life. Um, I should be pretty, uh, used to cleaning litter boxes twice a day, which, um, is, is what my goal is. And it takes all of seven seconds to clean the litter box each time. So it's not a big time commitment. And I've been doing it for most of my life. And yet I still need her to ask me every morning at 7.30 AM, hey, DJ, did you clean the litter box yet? And sometimes, sometimes I will have forgotten and just her reminding me of it, I race over, clean it, and then run to the office. So it sounds silly to have accountability partners for things that you go, well, I should just automatically be doing that. But of course, you're not going to be perfect at everything. So this is a great opportunity. And I'm using it in a non-real estate example, but we all have any areas of our life, we can, you can find accountability partners. Um, you know, mine is mine is names Alva from the Philippines, which I, I, I love her. She's the best. Um, hopefully one day, maybe I'll get a chance to meet her in person. But um, but, you know, so far, uh, I have somebody that calls me every morning. And if I was smarter, I'd probably pay her extra and have her call me at the end of every day, too. Uh, <laughs> but I haven't quite figured that out. But it's the best money I spend. Um, and because she keeps me accountable. Uh, same thing with our podcast. I have Zana. She's our casting director. She's the best. She does everything uh, that I struggle with doing, and she does it better than I can do it. Um, so I, I have, you know, I, I think that, you know, finding people that can help you and that you can help um, is is so important. And it doesn't even need to cost money. You know, uh, Brian Buffini, who most people have probably heard of, Buffini and Company, one of the largest real estate training centers and maybe the largest, I think they are in the country for about 30 years. Uh, he started and he had an accountability partner and he said, here are the five things I want to do every day. And as the guy's other name is Joe Niego, he's actually a Chicago guy. And they would call each other twice a day and say, did you do your thing? Oh, oh okay, great. Did you do your thing? And it's, uh, it, it helped them. And it obviously helps you uh, with your coach and, and your accountability team as well. And also, Guys, this is where Facebook comes in really, really handy. Forget about coaching. I mean, do coaching. But in, in addition to that, even if you don't do coaching, there are so many realtor mastermind groups online that are on Facebook. They want you to join. And every day, even if you browse for three minutes, you're going to get a really good idea. And it's going to keep you motivated. And it's going to just get your mindset mm -hmm. correct. And you're looking for an accountability partner post on, on one of those groups. Hey, I need somebody to check in with every day. You will get so many people to reach out to you and then you can find a, a good fit. And it could be somebody from all the way across the country or the world even. It really doesn't matter. I love that you share that, DJ, because you just hit it in the nail everywhere. I do want to also add for the realtors that are listening, how to catapult themselves, whether it's now or in the future. And actually, I don't know why I missed this. When I was commuting uh, an hour to work, in my, to my nursing job full-time yeah. and then eventually part-time. So I invested myself in podcasts, actually. I studied what the people were already doing. I'm so good at it. And I tried every single one of them. I didn't have analysis paralysis one. Second, right. in that 30 minutes you just said, where you spend 30 minutes 
just to read the uh, unstudy the MLS yeah. inventory. For me, it was that commute. If you have yeah. a job right now and you are actually right now, nobody's driving as much, but let's just say when we get back into things in those 30 minutes or one hour, whatever commute for me, that back then was two hours a day, four times a week. Multiply that over two years. I had 280 hours worth of podcast real estate producers that I already absorbed. And I knew how to execute that. I didn't start it from scratch. I studied from what, uh, what people already did. Yeah, they say they call that standing on the shoulders of giants, right? Stand on the shoulders of the, the giants that came before you um, by learning what it is they do. And thank goodness we have technology like podcasts that make it very easy to distribute this kind of content. You know, 30 years ago, it didn't really exist. There just wasn't that many opportunities to, and a lot of it was behind lock and key. If you wanted access to you know, uh, this kind of information, you had to pay for it. Um, and now, you know, it's basically all free. How great is that? Um, so I think this is a wonderful uh, final point to, to wrap up on. Uh, but I also want to, for anyone in the DC area um, it, that is looking for a realtor like Christine, who's who's young, she she's aggressive, she's on top of things, and she's extraordinarily professional and clearly incredibly successful. Um, what's the best way that any, like a buyer, uh, a seller, an investor uh, might want to reach out to you? Sure. My actual work phone is 202-924-6078. You can also reach me on my email, christine at nievainc.com, or just like one of the websites that you mentioned earlier, christinenieva.com, or follow me through social media. Instagram is christine.nieva. And that's Christine with a C-H and Nieva is N-I-E-V-A. So christinenieva.com. It's got links to all our other stuff there too. And you can email or contact her directly through that website. Christine, thank you on behalf of the audience. I want to thank you uh, for, for spending time with us. I know how busy you are and uh, your energy is, is infectious. And uh, our, I know all of the listeners are going to have a, well, by the time they hear me say this, they will have already heard you. So I know they've they have appreciated uh, this interview. So thank you on behalf of them. And then also on behalf of Christine and myself, we want to thank the listeners for not only continuing to support our show and listening to our episodes, but also for telling a friend. Think of one other real estate agent that you can think of that could benefit from hearing this interview with Christine and send them a link. You can find us on our website. Every episode we've ever done is can be streamed there, which is, uh, I was going to say christinenieva.com. That's your <laughs> website. Our website is keepingitrealpod.com. Although go to Christine's website anyway, uh, but go to ours too, keepingitrealpod.com and tell a friend and that'll help keep our show rolling. And also one last thing, for everyone who is using a podcast app like Apple Podcasts, formerly iTunes, or Stitcher, or Spotify, or Pandora, which we're on all those platforms, leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. Even if you hate the show, leave us a review. Um, of course, we hope you don't, but we wanna hear that feedback so that we know what how to continually improve us. And also send us a message. Let us know any thoughts you have about what we can do to further help you in your real estate career. Christine, thank you so much for being on our show. We're so excited to continue to watch your growth uh, in real estate. You're crushing it. You're a total superstar already in your now third year full-time, which is beyond incredible. And um, we just wish you the very best. And thanks again. DJ, thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. And whatever I can do to increase the knowledge with our broker community, I'm all about it. Thank you so much for taking the time today. You're welcome. Thank you. Be safe.